We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We were leaning into AI, coaching, therapy before the GPT hype. And part of that is because academics have been saying for a long time, hey, this is perfect for guys because they don't like to share their feelings with anyone, even friendly therapists. And here's a way for them to do it in private, in secret, uh, but in an evidence-based way where they're not relying just on social media bros for advice, which can go one way or another. And, uh, but get that real help. There is stress and we can be feeling bad. But we need to be aware when we're starting to cover up what's going on underneath with more work instead of dealing with that. And, and the reality is, even if your only goal is to have the best business and be successful, you will be better at all of that stuff if you deal with what's going on underneath. Deal with that stress, deal with that depression, deal with the different things because they're impacting your performance, they're impacting your business. Some of that is knowing how to control and handle stress because if you don't know how to handle stress and you're just like someone thrown in the deep end of a pool who doesn't know how to swim and you're splashing around, well, that stress is going to consume you, take over your life, make it hard for you to enjoy the good parts of life. But if you become skilled at handling stress, it pops up you handle it, you know how to deal with it, you put it down. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Anson Whitmer, welcome to the show, man. Good to be here. I am just absolutely thrilled to talk to you because you are the co-founder, CEO of Mental. You also were the founding member of Calm, uh, which is really cool, or one of the founding members of Calm. And you are working on something that is near and dear to my heart, man, uh, Mental Health for Men. And uh, the name of the app is Mental. Uh, full disclosure, I am a happily being user of Mental. Uh, so I'm a fanboy. <laughs> Uh, and I'm just, yeah, I'm over the moon to talk to you, man. This is going to be really great. But, uh, before we geek out on all that sort of stuff and all the things I'm going to say about it, why don't you tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Yeah. Uh, so excited to be here. Um, yeah, I, in so many different ways, what we are building is culmination of my career to this point in time. Uh, you know, when I was 19, uh, my uncle who had been living with us to help us through some tough times, he killed himself. And that's what motivated me to get my PhD in neuroscience. Uh, I studied rumination in my research. Uh, like, what are the cognitive neural causes of it? And 
one understand why my uncle couldn't let go of his childhood, how it just stuck with him and how that led to depression, ultimately his suicide. Uh, was pretty deep into research and depression and anxiety, did my postdoc at Stanford, and my cousin, other side of the family, I grew up with him. My, my dad, his dad lived in the same house together. Um, he reached out to me and I hadn't heard from him for a couple few years. Uh, left a message. I didn't realize it was a call for help. Only in retrospect that I did, but he killed himself as well. I, and I, that just kind of ended my academic career. I was, I had, uh, you know, interviews lined up, places like Vanderbilt for a professorship. That's what I thought I was always going to do. But I just looked at what we were doing. It, you know, we were making strides and understanding causes of mental illness, just doing so little to figure out its solutions and especially to scale them up. And it's just not a strong suit of academics. Uh, if we all depend on academics to solve our problems. <laughs> it's gonna, it's, no, well, not a no. good idea. You know, not I mean, a it's going to be another hundred years. Uh, uh, yeah. For sure. If then, if sure. then, yeah, um, if then, if then, right. And so, you know, I was already pretty deep in data and data science and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I was like, I right, it makes sense to kind of go into tech because there's so much potential scale up solutions in tech. Went over and joined Calm as the founding data scientist. Uh, I thought you were met my co-founder of Mental. He was the founding engineer. Uh, I like to joke that he built Calm with his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, probably 80% of the app he actually coded. So uh, yeah, I wonder how cool. much it's actually changed. Um, cool. But, you know, and I knew what meditation could do. I started meditating when I was 18. I found a book on Zen, uh, Beginner's Mind, Zen Mind. And it just kind of blew my mind open. I was like, oh, wow. There's just this whole new insight into what it is to be conscious and alive uh, that I, I had never picked up before. And so I started meditating to try to explore it and solve. Uh, I didn't really set out just to use it to improve mental health, uh, more just out of curiosity, but did see dramatic impacts on how I felt, uh, how I approached stress. Uh, and research really started to back up all this stuff in the West that, hey, this is actually really good for you, uh, being in the moment, not always caught up in the past or the future. Uh, so I knew of its potential when I joined Calm, but it was just so niche back then. It was, uh, we struggled with early fundraising. One investor said uh, something along the lines of, uh, uh, I'm not investing. Meditation someone only done at college campuses and at Burning Man. <laughs> He's never listened to Sam Harris, man. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Naive. Yeah. Missed the boat. Missed, Missed the boat. The boat. <laughs> Huge. Missed the boat. Because we ended up, you know, we scaled up. We made meditation commercial mm -hmm. and we scaled it up. We got millions of people into meditation. We grew Calm Out to being the $2 billion business. I sometimes would tell Aaron, uh, who is our head of UA, I was like, Aaron, I think you maybe got more people to meditate than any person in the history of humankind. I mean, uh, which is kind of wild. I mean, that's pretty crazy. I mean, maybe the Buddha could. <laughs> yeah, it takes blame for it all. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he created, I mean, you know, he yeah, sort of created but, the whole thing and he had thousands of years to sit on him. So, it's yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. uh, and, you know, but we just, we struggled to get through to guys. Um, and I was always pretty clear while we we're there and, and I look at the whole space, you know, men are less likely to do therapy. Even if guys do therapy, most of them drop out after one session. And a lot of them are, 
the reason is, is the solutions used, the, the way it's approached, they just don't resonate with it. Yep. Uh, I look at the mental health space and there's one report saying there is 20,000 mental health apps have been made, uh, like basically the last eight years. A bunch have been made explicitly for women, so they're not helping guys. Uh, and then general use apps, they tend to be used two to three times more by women than men. And if you go look at a lot of the Instagrams of these general use ones, it's like almost all pictures of when there's pictures of people, it's almost all females. It's all like, they're very clearly female oriented spaces. And you get how for a lot of guys, if they go into this space, they, if they already are uncertain and then they go into this space that feels heavily geared towards women, they're even less certain that it's for them. And, oh yeah. And we have a real trust issue with, uh, uh -huh. well, these mental health approaches and tools, will they help me? Uh, it is, um, one of the limiters in getting guys help with their mental health. And, you know, we just sat back and we're just like, this is a massive problem. Half of the world's population uh, and people aren't getting through to them. It's like 2023 for like, it's kind of a little bit amazing that no one's thought about it, especially when you look at the research and it's just really clear that there are big gender differences here. Men's culture on mental health is just really different from women's culture on mental health. And, and you could take things like a, like a skincare and you could make that genderized and you get men using it, but it's, it's the exact same solution is needed, but that works really well in a lot of situations and the mental health, not only do you need different packaging, but the solutions, the approach of how you meet guys, it needs to be really different. Uh, you need to question assumptions and it's kind of amazing to me with how clear it is that there are major differences here that no one has approached it yet. So. We just saw this opportunity where it's like, hey, big blue ocean business opportunity, plus here's a way to have outsized impact on the world. And tons of people suffering and no one trying to get through to them. Yeah. No, I mean, like every, I mean, everyone knows that, you know, my wife died, Jane, six years ago, almost seven from leukemia. And um, when I was trying to find grief groups to help me, all of them were women. All of them had a, the same modality. It, it yeah. didn't, it wasn't helpful. And I've talked to a lot of men about, especially widowers, and it's a different experience. It's, there's similarities. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's still mm -hmm. sorrowful, sorrowful, but for men, you're right. The modality is, has to be different and you can complain all you want and you can say, oh, it's the patriarchy, all the bullshit which I think is part of the problem, by the way, with all this, is that everyone talks about this toxic masculinity and masculinity is they're sort of trying to stamp it down where like I was born this way, like stop trying to tell me I'm not worthy. Stop trying to tell me I'm, you know, toxic, like it's bullshit. I'm sorry, total bullshit. Because if there's toxic masculinity and then there's toxic femininity, there's always the reverse of it. Yeah. And it's not helping men. You can tell all those things you just mentioned. More men are committing suicide. More men are depressed. More men are just completely despondent. It's dystopian. What the fuck over? Like, uh, not cool, it, right? It, it is an, an issue. Uh, the term yeah. toxic masculinity, uh, we need to stop using it. It's problematic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, you could talk about toxic femininity. We don't hear about it. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, yeah. and, because the issue that happens, especially with younger guys, is if all they hear about is toxic masculinity, and there's no definition of what positive or good masculinity is, yeah. well, then they start to think that masculinity itself 
is toxic. I think that's a message. To be a man or masculine is a negative. And that is problematic. Uh, it's problematic because then, you know, if men do listen to it, they don't then know what to be. They don't know what the alternatives were not defining that. Yeah. Or a lot of guys say, to hell with that. Like, and then they reject everything. Um, yeah. And they reject people who come from that perspective who maybe do have good lessons and learnings for them. I think, you know, this is actually one of the blockers with some men with therapy is I think they're afraid if they go to therapy, they'll be told, oh, you know, it's your toxic masculinity and uh, that yeah. this is like that they'll be pushed on here. Yeah. And there's already a lack of trust. So if this is kind of the dominant conversation, you push guys out of it. And then you also create openings for guys who are real assholes like the Andrew Tate's of the world, you know, who come into that vacuum and try to build up masculinity for their own ends. But so I, I think we need to figure out better ways to have this conversation. Yeah, sure. Totally over-rotated on the toxic masculinity stuff. Yeah. That's why I love what you guys are doing at Mental. I mean, it has got the right amount of snark and the right amount of edge because that's what men need, right? Like, you know, I, you know, I've been in therapy ever since Jane died. And thankfully, I've got a great therapist who helps me try to sort the world out, right? And so I don't get any of this toxic masculinity biz. You should be more whatever, like the stupid stuff. And I also happen to be Gen X, which we literally, we hate boomers and we hate millennials equally. Like, let's go. Like, you know, I mean, I always tell this story like, uh, you know, when I was growing up, like there were serial killers that you were afraid of, right? Like the world was scary and your mom and dad, like both my parents worked, they're like, you're a latchkey kid, have at it, right? Yeah. Cavalry was not coming for us, believe me. As most people know, that's why we're so kind of, we've got this curmudgeon-y thing. We're like, you know, we call bullshit what we call bullshit. Um, but it's just fascinating because all the mental health, I mean, even like in grief, like um, in, you know, grief groups, like I belong to this thing called Grief Coach. One of the, it's, it's an app. It's actually text messaging where you can text message people. And Emma, who's the founder of it, she's like, I can't hit, I can't reach guys. <laughs> Just can't. And I'm like, yeah. I'm the one guy on there, you know, doing text messages. And it's, you're right. It's the approach. It's like, Men and women are different. I'm sorry that you don't want to hear that, but that's just reality. And we need to be thoughtful that we're all equal in the world. We have to be compassionate, but we have to have different yeah. approaches. And so like, yeah. tell me some of the different approaches you guys use at Mental. Cause I use the app and I, I can gush about it. But yeah, no, I, let's go. Let's figure this what you, out. <laughs> what you're just talking about. I, humor is pretty fundamental um, yeah. in how guys talk about this space and approach 100%. it and 100%. We, we look at the whole space and it is uh, 100% serious, yeah. very clinical or yeah. going to the spa and getting pampered, but yeah. just serious vibes. And, uh, yeah. and it, I get it. I mean, you heard my story, uh, yeah. like mental health issues are, are serious, um, yeah. but it doesn't always have to be that serious. And uh, if you want to get through to guys, it really can't be. We approach it with levity. Uh, this is yeah. how we like make it something that's okay to talk about and and as a business, we just also think brand wise, it's just like someone like the space is waiting for a kind of like a liquid death, uh, like someone where they're just like, take my favorite brand, boring. my, my <laughs> favorite brand. In fact, well, I'll tell a story about that later, but yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love your daily deuce, which is like, 
you know, three minutes, four minutes or whatever. Like, I think Jason's the one that does those. Jason. Yeah. Dude, uh, he's a writer, rock star. comedian, um, rock star. Like and, so good, man. So good. We built uh V1 in the app around men's uh, tongue in cheek around uh men's shit shower and shave routine. Yep, <laughs> so, yep, yep. Daily deuce. You guess which part that fits <laughs> into. Uh, and we like to tell men, hey, instead of doom scrolling through your daily deuce, listen yeah. to the daily deuce. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, because what's interesting is, you know, I've got a bunch of buddies that are, uh, you know, I used to do all these endurance events, which, you know, st- done stupid shit, right? Like, oh, we, man, we could have died, right? And I have a bunch of buddies in the military and, you know, so the macabre humor and the busting your balls and the, you know, the pushing you in a way like, People think that this is like ridicule. Oh, you can't be, what's it called? Um, what do people say now? Like, uh, uh, you know, harassing or whatever, like whatever the words they use, right? Yeah. What's interesting is when you talk to all these special operator guys, you talk to all these folks that are like, you know, life and death, the, their training is directly proportional whether they live or die. And you're like, why are they giving you such a hard time? Why are they, like all of this just crazy stuff and harassment, whatever that you want to call it. And one of them told me something that just stuck with me in such a, I mean, it just hit my heartstrings. And he was a, he was a cadre. He was talking about, he's just like, well, we do it because we love them. And I'm all, this would seem like you love them. And he's like, think about it. We're sending them off to go to war. We literally, if we don't train them right, they're going to die. Hmm. You think I want my guys dying? I'm going to be as hard as I can on them in training so that when they're in the battlefield, this is easy. And this is the same analogy for sports, right? Like yep. um, a lot of these MMA fighters, they're like, fight's easy. <laughs> the training's the tough part, right? Yeah. And I think to your point, like this is what resonates with men. I, 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 I know a lot of younger men, you know? you know, I'm 52, almost 53. A lot of younger men, Gen Z and millennial crave that kind of male mentorship, that male yep. like accountability paternal yeah and just this like i need someone to look up to i need i need someone to be like tell me how to be a better man how how do i how do i be a better man and you look at media look at there's no one and honestly i think you guys are setting the stage for that i think mental is you want to build better men get mental i'm sorry yeah Yeah. right heck yeah um not actually not sorry there, there there is though it's like uh you're talking very much about a paternal approach and versus maternal. You, you look at the mental health space, it is all very maternal. Yes. Uh, it is nurturing. If you're feeling down, well, we're going to soothe you. Uh, if you like going to the spa, it's okay, baby. You're perfect just as you are. It is, you know, your mama nurturing you. And yeah. for a lot of guys, uh, that's the antithesis of what we want when we're struggling because it makes us feel even more chagrined where it's like, oh, now I have to go back to mama to like for support. Instead, what a lot of guys are looking for when they're feeling down or struggling is something more paternal, which is a push to action. You know, a, a paternal figure that is going to say like, you need to get off the couch and try harder. But you know what? I believe in you. You're capable of doing it. You just need to try harder. And that is the paternal approach that you don't really see in the mental health space. And, and we're even, you know, bringing it into the app. So like we have uh, an AI coach mm-hmm. slash therapist is actually, if, if you were to work with men, everyone, they would be like coaches slash therapists. Most yeah. of the time would be the ideal yeah. thing for a guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my, 
I got my wife to use it recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Just as we've shown, you know, like in this four minute conversation, guys are on average showing a 32% decrease in stress, just takes yeah. the edge off. Uh, oh, yeah. And in that conversation, uh, my wife, something challenging happened. And uh, I was like, try and use it. Tell me how it goes for you. And, and she used it and she's like, uh, you know, it was helpful. But what I really wanted it to do was just tell me it's okay. Uh, don't worry. You're okay as you are. And just give me words of encouragement. And it's not that guys don't need some pep talks now and then. But I was like, for a guy, they often aren't just looking for, it's okay, baby. They're instead looking for the dad response, which is like, this is what you're going to do next time. Let's problem solve. Let's figure it out. Let's reframe it. Let's work through it. You got it. Push hard. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of a, how do we get a little bit more of that paternal approach into space, which is fundamentally really different. And uh, it's part of the daily deuce that you're listening to. It's just yeah. that micro nudge each morning, a little push yeah. to action, having a good coach, a good dad in your head who's yeah. pushing you in the right direction each morning. Yeah. I mean, the coach analogy is great. I mean, some of the most profound figures in my life were coaches. Like I had this coach, you know, I played, played high school soccer and ran cross country in high school, mm. right? And this was coach Woodall. We called him Woody, right? You can imagine the jokes, right? Christian guy. So he was always like, well, uh, call me Woody, but not for that reason. I'm like, really, bro? Because he was a handsome man. I'll use Jack, right? Like, and he would have these Woody-isms that were just black like you know what I mean? Like you're sitting there and, and we're like, you know, jaw jack and grab ass and all this, you know, we're, we're high school kids, man. Like testosterone filled. Like we don't, what the hell? We're a bunch of idiots. We'd be, he'd be like, get your butt out of your ass. We'd be like, what the hell does that even Right? Like get your butt out of your ass. Or he would be like, we're going to put a W in the wind column. I'm like, what the hell do you mean? You know? But this is the thing. Like to this day, that was, you know, 35 years ago, right? Or longer. And I still remember Coach Whittle. I remember I got out of high school in college, slacking on the physical stuff, started smoking, smoking, you know, yeah. cigarettes. I'm in my hometown. Coach Woodall runs by. It's like, ah, Bolander. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. Smoking <laughs> them cancer sticks, are we? Ooh, must feel good. You blah. I'm like, oh, shit, man. Coach Woodall, <laughs> right? Because, yeah, I was being an idiot. Like, I was, like, why am I smoking? And I was, I was stressed out and I had no one yeah. to talk to. Like, you know, I didn't grow up in a great environment. Some of us, my dad, parents were, they're fine. But, you know, it's like the stoic type shit. Like, no one talked to me about my feelings. And if it was, it was like, ah, walk it off. Kicked in the nuts, walk it off. Rub a little yeah. dirt in it. And great, but I think, you know, when your wife dies, I need to rub a little more than dirt into it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yep. Really? And that's why I wrote the book, right? I wanted people to not feel so alone with it. And because you do, like you just do. And they are just, man, it's just guys crazy. struggle that way uh, to, or particularly likely to feel alone with it. Yeah. I mean, your, your story resonates with me. I, I know someone closely uh, whose wife died and he was struggling and finally got persuaded to go to a group therapy session. Halfway there, turned around. And went back home and he decided he just, it was too personal. He couldn't share it. And uh, I think that's an issue f- for a lot of guys. It's uh, just the, the sharing of things we've gone through uh, is, is tough on us. It makes us feel exposed. And, and I, I think there's, you know, sometimes the messaging is just get over it and share. And I, 
I think, you know, fundamentally it's good <laughs> to share it. Like you need to be able to do that, but it also like doesn't really land and resonate with a lot of guys because we could have a history, a lifetime of growing up where when we shared express emotions and all these different things, uh, it didn't land well. Uh, we got negative feedback that that was a bad thing for us. Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, I had, uh, when I was 11, stepdad died and I was at a friend's house. And uh, when I got the news and I was actually the last one to hug him goodbye and uh, went over to friend's house and then uh, got a call from my mom. She's like, he's gone. And I was with two friends. I started crying. Uh, they didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah. And so they started laughing. They're like yeah. they're making fun of me for being in the corner crying because that's what boys do. Not because that's what boys naturally do, but that's what they've learned from all the different history of experiences behind them. Uh, yeah. So what I do, I covered it up, stopped laughing or stopped crying. I went over and just stood next to them. I was like, I'm fine. Yeah. And went back home later and dealt with it there. But I think that was a formative experience for me because after that, different hard things I was going through. Oh man, I kept that close. Uh, I was not open. If someone said, "Hey, just share what's going on with you," I, I mean, and that wasn't the only experience. It was like I'm not sharing what's going on with me. This is not safe for me to do this. And and uh, I think guys have that experience, you know, like be vulnerable uh, and do it at work. But then they're probably rightly so, based on past experiences, afraid of being vulnerable, afraid of sharing those experiences. They've seen different times uh, where it didn't go down well. And and I think society is changing where it is now possible to do that in different situations where men are getting pushed less uh, to hide emotions, all emotions except for anger. And so there is a shift, but for guys who grew up that way, uh, it doesn't mean just hearing, hey, share your emotions. It's going yeah. to be enough. Like We need uh, time we need to be able to get data to see, hey, when I did that, that actually did help. It made me feel better. It didn't blow back on me. And we need to be able to do that in small chunks to actually see the wins there. And and sometimes that's with our app. You know, when we were leaning into AI coaching therapy before the GPT hype with everyone was doing it. Uh, and and part of that is because academics been saying for a long time, hey, this is perfect for guys because they don't like to share their feelings with anyone, even friendly therapists. And here's a way for them to do it in private, in secret, uh, yeah. but in an evidence-based way where they're not relying just on social media bros for advice, which could go one way or another, And uh, but get that real help. And it's, yeah. and I think what we could end up, do, what ends up happening, you know, is guys do some of this work in private, you know, on their own from their couch. So they go, hey, that helped me. Uh, hey, listening to the deuce helped me. Hey, this cold shower protocol where I was working on my mind, dealing with stress, I'm actually feeling better every day. You start building trust step-by-step step that all these solutions in the mental health space, that there's stuff that works for you that will make your life better, that will help you solve your problems and deal with the things you are struggling with. It is worth your time. There's a trust that needs to be built up. It is insufficient to just say, get over your issues and do the work. Uh, you need to help guys realize on their own that this actually is helpful step by step. And that's a big part of what we do at Mental. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the paths are different. I mean, it's 
it's, it's, it's spot on. I mean, you know, like I always say women can cry and men can't men can get angry and women can't. So there's this dichotomy because we're, we're humans. We all get angry. We all get sad. And I remember, you know, I would talk about Jane dying and I'm pretty, you know, I've been trained like a lot. So been through a lot of therapy and, and just natural disposition. I, I'm very comfortable sharing all these things. I'm very comfortable talking about it. I, you know, yeah. I had to have my own path. Right. Yep. But there were times, you know, trying to talk about Jane dying and I'm like, I'm choking up. I, I can't get through it because I hadn't fully processed it all the way. Mm. The reason I wrote the book was to process it. It's not so scary. You know, there's people that don't want to ask me about it because they are afraid that I'm not going to be upset. And I go, look, mm. I wrote a damn book about it. You can ask me anything. <laughs> it's like, really? I mean, come on. Right. So that's, that's part of the, the process. That's my process. Yep. Your process is different. Some other guy's process is different. A process that's a woman is different. You just can't like share your feelings. I, I remember, um, there's this one guy, a doctor named, uh, Bessel Vanderkolk, who, mm wrote a book called The Body Keeps a Score, mm. which is a fundamental, I mean, it has been on the New York Times bestseller list for the better part of five years. And it really accelerated during the pandemic. So, so, and it's about how your body integrates grief and sorrow and trauma. And for some people, in order for them to express that grief, they have to do physical things. And this is both yep. men and women, right? Yep. Um, my fiance, the thing that helps her the most is like deadlifting. She just like, for whatever reason, that just like, she just feels better after like it. She still obviously can talk about it stuff, but for her, the physicality and nice acute grief, acute yep. trauma and acute sorrow, you know, all those things integrates first in your body. That's why you feel so shitty. You're like, God, why do I have this pit in my stomach? Why am I tingling? Why do I feel like I'm Yep. 10 feet underwater, like swimming in this like God forsaken arena. It's because your body is reacting to whatever's going on and you can't talk about it because if you talk about it, you're reliving the trauma hmm. and you need to process it first. And that's his whole, his premise is basically, I mean, I'm really paraphrasing, but his premise is before you can do talk therapy, you need to physically get this out of your body. And again, I'm, I'm bastardizing. That's basically the way it that's interesting. Uh, I, I recently did a, a four day silent meditation retreat mm. and I, I've done a, a few over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a little bit, but one of the things I kind of re-remembered, I have young kids, so I was kind of been off the bandwagon with meditation. It's hard to keep that yeah, yeah. practice oh, yeah, going. And, sure. yeah. and then I sat for four days and recalled some things that I used to know. And, and one that was really strong was that if you get thoughts stuck in your head and, and you're like, ah, I'd like, shut up, thought, go away. I, they tend to just come right back. And what is really clear sitting there is that each thought is really tied to a feeling in your body. And if you pay really close attention, you're like, oh man, that thought is uh, tightness in my stomach. That one feels like a, a blow to like my chest right in the middle of it. And each one has like these little sensations. And what's really amazing is that if you Instead of attending to the thought, you look at the body and you attend to that part of the body where you're feeling the thought and just go, hey, you know what? I'm going to just totally accept this body feeling. Instead of being like, oh, I don't want that tightness in my stomach, I'm just going to be like, I'm fine with that tightness in my stomach. And when you have that acceptance over that body feeling, 
it's weird. It's almost like when you're doing a stretch and you suddenly mm-hmm. have a release, mm-hmm. it's like you will feel a release of mm-hmm. whatever that feeling is. It will go away. And then the magical weird thing is that most of the time, the thought associated with it, it's just like, poof, it doesn't come back. Because it's that, that body sensation. It's like something's wrong. And then your mind comes back. It's like, why is something wrong? Oh, you know, oh, I have this tightness in my stomach because of blah and blah was happening. And and if you try to get rid of the thought, but that tightness is there, it keeps triggering your mind to say, hey, something's wrong, something's wrong. And once you're just fine with the tightness in your stomach, it doesn't signal that anymore. Um, so there is this real mind-body connection between what's going on, and it can lead to loops because you keep bringing back the negative thoughts, that creates even more tension, your body gets worse, and you go back and forth. And, uh, and there is uh, a lot of guys when they think about mental health and dealing with stress, it is actually a pretty default way that guys approach it. They think about exercising, mm-hmm. uh, working on their bodies. They see how that impacts them. And mm-hmm. I believe that is one of the routes because it gets those internal signals to just relax and turn off. And because they're now turned off, your mind gets to turn off and you could actually be present with your family or uh, spend the night in a different way than you would have if you hadn't exercised. So, And research backs that up exercise is probably the most effective thing you could do for your mental health right off the bat. Sometimes, you know, we do get a message sometimes in society that it's, hey, everything is trauma. If you're struggling mental health, it's trauma. And sometimes it really is. You've gone through a loss or Mm -hmm. or horrible things happened to you as your kid. Sometimes you need to process that and you need to work through that. But we're seeing a huge increase in problems with mental health that's been happening particularly since 2010 with the advent of the smartphone and it if you look at it the reasons for it is that our lifestyles have changed dramatically you know even if you are someone who exercises three times a week most of us sit the rest of the time which is not our natural state we're inside not getting sunshine we get too much light at night instead of socializing uh we look at social media and get these little soft barely real clips of like friendliness from people out there. There's just so many things that about how we're living now that have changed that are causing our problems with mental health. And if you go see a good therapist, actually, most of them will start there. They'll go, what's going on with your lifestyle? What are you doing? If you're not exercising, they'll get you doing that right off the bat. And then if you fix all those lifestyle things and you're still struggling, or maybe there is something really clear around grief or something like that you're dealing with, then they'll go deep. You know, and and so I think if you're out there and you're looking for a therapist or a coach or someone like that, realize that that is a good one. It doesn't all have to start with like, well, how do you feel about feeling bad? It's like they could <laughs> they could help you really work through your lifestyle bit and only kind of get into the the feelings and things underneath if that is what is your blocker. Yeah, no, it's so true, so true. It's um, yeah, yeah. I I just yeah. I mean, all the all the men I know in some ways, shape or form, and I've obviously had to deal with stuff. Some of them have dealt with it in different ways. In my generation, we drank and did a lot of drugs. So I mean, yep, sort that's, of, that's, that's a common. Prototypical male way to handle stress yeah. and, and anxiety. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, even as entrepreneurs, like I've been in the entrepreneur game for a long time and you see the same kind of mental health issues, especially among entrepreneurs, especially I mean, obviously more, most of them are male, at least venture back where it's this obsession with work. It's just like, mm. I just got to perform. I got to yeah. do more. I got to do more. It's another one. Yeah. Which again is 
you know, if it's a sign, yeah. if like the majority of men are working themselves, there's a reason. Yes, they want to be successful, but there's also like you could step back and be like, well, you know, is this really this working hard? Well, you're just trying to deal with whatever you need to do. Mm. And I'm, I'm just, I struggle with trying to figure out the best way to deal with it and talk about it, to be honest. I, I tell my story because I don't want, if you've ever, you ever have to go through that, which I hope no, no one else, no one has to do, but it's mm. going to happen eventually. At least you don't feel so alone in the struggle because mm. all the feedback I've gotten about talking about Jane and our relationship and writing about it, everyone says I'm courageous, which is silly. I wasn't, I was committed. Jane was courageous, but mm. take the compliment I've been told by my therapist. So, okay. I take the compliment, <laughs> right? It's like, ah, whatever, right? Get, suck it up. Right. Yeah. But more importantly, it's, it's a model, I think, at least for some folks, that the journey is your journey. Like there's no right or wrong way to get mm. better. Mm. You just have to, like, I think the one, it was either to, the one today or the one yesterday was about accomplishment. And Jason was just a, the day of the deucer, you know, was yeah. talking about, you know, oh, all these accomplishments and it just keeps up. Well, one, I, I got to get another one. I got to get another one. It just, there, just goes on forever. Whereas, and I paraphrase, like the process, being okay with the effort and the result, mm -hmm. you know, even the Navy SEALs have got the perfect effort function. Like they want results, but are you putting forth perfect effort? Because perfect effort leads to results. And sometimes the results are out of your control. And I, yeah. for me, for a long time, and even today, still get this trap, right? Like, where am I compared to my buddies or whatever? And it's fascinating, you know, again, using the app and, and listening to it every day, reminding myself of, well, the path is my path. And if I'm putting perfect effort towards being a better man, being a better, you know, future stepfather, partner, it's my journey. No one can tell me I'm doing it the right or wrong way yeah, because it's my journey. And I think that's the thing that I really like about what you guys are doing, especially for men, obviously, because you focus on men, but also like as entrepreneurs, we get sucked into this, like crushing it, hustle culture bullshit. And you're like, why? You know, I mean, I understand yeah. why, because we're motivated. Right? I'm just curious if you've found, like, who, who is using your app and, and, like, how how that interaction, like, you know, what, what are sort of the, you know, metrics, you don't have to tell me the metrics, but, like, I just find it personally, like, we're here to help you on your path and your journey. Yeah. We're not judging. This, hey, this shit works. You know, you don't want to listen to Huberman for 40 billion hours. Listen to us, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you would have to listen. It's like listening I, to Sam Harris. Like, or, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I love them. I do <laughs> Guys, not have 47 hours a week. Yeah, get to the point, you know? I've heard Huberman's morning routine itself that he does is like yeah. four to six hour routine and, each morning, right. which is also like not only listening, but trying to implement all of it. It's like, bro, how do you like actually it, fit all of that into your day? Most of us work, we have kids, we have yeah. girlfriends, we have other things going on and yeah. uh yeah and the deuce it's like i don't how do we microdose it because to me it's like we maybe hear wisdom and get insight and perspective and then you just get caught up in your shit again you forget it and it's like how do we just kind of keep just a little bit of that each day going through your head because it has a tremendous impact that's why we make it only you know two to three minutes to fit into that little window instead of poison your mind with uh 
more social media, it's like you just put something positive and shift it. And, and it, it does add up because we can get kind of lost, you know, like as, you know, talking about entrepreneurs, it is, um, we need to work hard. There's a lot to do. It is a hard thing to do. There's a ton of stress involved in it. But we also uh, can start falling down into pits where we're depressed. And, and you know, that is uh, for a lot of guys, they don't really have a good understanding of when they're depressed. There was actually a bit ago, I saw this uh, video of um, Rock. The Rock was talking about how he was really depressed in college with ball and he ended up like giving up, uh, giving it up and going back home. And, uh, and then he was like depressed another time, going through a divorce and, and another time. And, and he had these multiple stories. But the thing is, he, what he said is he didn't realize he was depressed the first time or the second time. It was only like third time where he's really deep and he was like 35 and he's a smart dude. He's smart that dude, he yeah. picked up that he was depressed. And that was what was really registering with me. What everyone out there was registering from the clip was like, hey, see men, be like the rock, go get help when you're depressed. And that's a good message. But if you're actually like the rock, you don't realize you're depressed. So if the message is, if you're depressed, go get help, you're not going to do anything about it. Is you're going to say, oh, that guy over there, he's depressed, yeah. not me. I'm not just me. dealing with stress yeah. and, oh, yeah. and Dude, these other things. Suck I, it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah no work's yeah. just busy. You know, yeah. I have a lot going yeah, on. to do. Yeah. yeah. And, suck it up. Yeah. And that's like, even therapists, uh, most of them are not trained to understand male version of depression, how it shows up. Sometimes it shows up classically with like, anhedonia lack of pleasure you're yeah. not looking forward to the future and you're yeah. sad yeah. that's kind of classical depression but for men the way it shows up most of the time is it shows up with anger mm -hmm. which is a funnel emotion for us you said it earlier we're allowed to experience and share that feeling so all other emotions sadness and everything gets hidden behind it and it'll just come out as irritation and anger mm -hmm. so if you see a guy being angry a lot well look behind it maybe what's actually going on is that yes. they're depressed they're yes. grieving something different's happening and most people don't know it unfortunately graduate training programs are not actually teaching a lot of therapists this um and also the other way it could show up is substance abuse risk taking doing bad things that's the way it comes out with guys or overworking really relevant to the entrepreneurs when you mm -hmm feel like crap and so you're just like oh, i'm just gonna dive more and more into the work to deal with that that's a tough bit is there is this balance point whereas entrepreneurs we have to work a lot there's a ton we need to do there is stress and we can't yeah. be feeling bad but we need to be aware when we're starting to cover up what's going on underneath with more work instead of dealing with that and and the reality is even if your only goal is to have the best business and be successful you will be better at all of that stuff if you deal with what's going on underneath. Deal with that stress, deal with that depression, deal with the different things because they're impacting your performance, they're impacting your business. And if you could step back, resolve them, you'll be more effective in your life. So just pure utilitarian <laughs> yeah. like for dollar purpose, it's best yeah. to do this kind of work, let alone the fact that it's like life is short. Now we, we all imagine, Hey, I'm going to be 95 when I die. And, uh, and I have all this time to do all the things I love. And it's like, nope. you don't know that that could be get hit by a car tomorrow, cancer a year from now. Like 
we think that's always somebody else. We don't know that. It's like, you don't know how many of these sunsets you get. We don't know how many times you get to be with your wife. You don't get to know how many times you get to hug your kids. Like, gotta appreciate those moments. Even if you're working hard, you need to be able to stop. And, and some of that is perspective to keep that perspective in your life day in, day out. Some of that is knowing how to control and handle stress. Because if you don't know how to handle stress and you're just like someone thrown in the deep end of a pool who doesn't know how to swim and you're splashing around, well, that stress is going to consume you, take over your life, make it hard for you to enjoy the good parts of life. But if you become skilled at handling stress, it pops up, you handle it, you know how to deal with it, you put it down, you're then able to have a good evening with your family or go out with your friends or do the things in life that you care about. So it's just think so many men are not appreciating. Uh, and it's because I think the messaging is just failing about how much more effective they could be in their careers and their life and how much more they could appreciate this short life if they just put a bit of time in day in, day out into working on themselves or occasionally going deep when big stuff is starting to come through. Well said. Well said. I think that's, that's the perfect place to end. Jensen. Been a pleasure. We could talk about this for days. I, I really I could. Am, <laughs> I'm so, I'm just so jazzed about what you guys are doing. I, I just can't. It's, it's just, it means a lot to me. Appreciate and, that. Uh, good luck with everything. And uh, I'll be rooting for you for sure. Hope folks out there listening decide it's time to get mental as well. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.